0: This week's parsha is Parsha's Achrimos, and the first pasuk says, "Like this." Again, this this uh, discussion will only be for until eight forty maximum, so thirty five minutes is the maximum that we are going to uh, talk about this, and we're going to uh, begin right now. So, in this week's parsha, it says, "Vaydaber Hashem el Moshe Aaron. and Hashem spoke to Moshe after the death of the two sons of Aaron. Be sam Hashem. When they came close to Hashem, they brought the incense, and they died. So Hashem speaks to Moshe after the death of the two sons of Aaron, and then Hashem proceeds to instruct Moshe about the the uh, Hashem proceeds to instruct Moshe about the avodas Yom Kippur, about the service that is done, about the service that is done on Yom Kippur. So he instructs him, you know, what the Kohen Gadol should do, how the Kohen will should conduct himself on Yom Kippur after, he, after the two sons of Aaron die. So now the, the, uh, the Sefer, the book, the Vaha Erevna asks, why is it that the Torah feels it necessary to tell us that the instructions about the Yom Kippur service were specifically followed after... Was specifically followed after, um, the the death of the two sons of Aaron. What what is the connection? What's the juxtaposition between the death of these tzedekim of these righteous people and the service on Yom Kippur? So he quotes the Yalkut Shimoni in Parsha Shmini, and the Yalkut Shimoni says like this: It says, to you We all know. Like it says in this week's that Yom Kippur is mechaper. Yom Kippur achieves atonement. Yom Kippur achieves atonement for the Jewish people. When we daven on Yom Kippur, we do tshuva, we repent to Hashem, then there is an atonement. So the same way that Yom Kippur is mechaper, kach misas tzaddikim mechaper, so too the death of the righteous also is an atonement. So the juxtaposition is to tell us a message, that there is a characteristic that Yom Kippur and the death of the righteous shares, that Yom Kippur and the death of the righteous is the same in that Yom Kippur is Mechaper, Yom Kippur uh, achieves atonement, and Yom Kippur, uh, the the death of the, the righteous also achieves atonement. So the day of Yom Kippur itself is an atonement, like the Gemara explains, and we realize in, we in Yuma exactly for what, in page 86, exactly for what there is an atonement, so too the death of the righteous is also an atonement too. That's what the Medvish says. So based upon this, he he wants to relate a question that took place, uh, that took place at a Leviah, at a, at a funeral of a, of a, of a deceased, of a deceased rabbi of a of a deceased tzaddik. Um. So we're going to first say the question. We're going to say what, it, what the question was that was asked, uh, uh, regarding the halacha, regarding the law. Then after we ask the question, we are after we ask the question, we are going to explain why is it that the death of the righteous achieves atonement for the Jewish people, just like Yom Kippur. And then after we explain that, we will come back to the question and give the answer that the rabbi gave to this question. Okay, so now we begin. The first thing is the question. What was the question? There was a, uh, uh, apparently at one point in time, and we know this, uh, you, uh, you know, I've been to, for example, I've been to the funeral of Shomazam in Aurbach, uh Zatzal of Blessed Memory. It was the Rosh Hashiv of Kotor, a very famous rabbi, and you know, there were hundreds of thousands of people in the, uh, in, at, the, at the funeral, I remember, when I, when I lived in Israel. And I, I, took the, I took a cab, there were like 300,000 people that came to the, to the funeral. There was absolutely no room to walk on the streets, literally. It was, you know, you, you, you could let go of your feet and you'd still not fall to the ground. The next day, I took a cab with my wife and the, and the, the cab driver says, you know, I'm so distraught, I don't understand. There was a person that lived in this city, in the same city that I live, and he died. There were 300,000 people at his at his funeral. And I don't know who he is, and I don't know why they were there. No idea. But he was a, he was a righteous person. So he was very distraught about that. So it happens. Sometimes there's funerals like this for tzaddik and for righteous people, where there is a, a, a huge gathering of people that are mourning the death of the, of the righteous. So this was one of the story like this. This was a story like this, that there was... A person that passed away, and there was a levaya, and there were a lot of, there were a lot of, um, there were thousands of people at this at, at this funeral. Says Dvaravna, and it was very pressured, very squeezed. Everybody was squeezed together. There was no room to move. So this fellow that was part, that was participating in the funeral, this fellow that was participating in the funeral, was so um, is feeling like he was getting crushed. So what he did was, in order to save himself, he climbed on the roof of a car. So this way he would avoid being crushed against the wall or being squeezed by the, all the people that are around. So he climbed on the on the roof of the car, and when other people saw that he was standing on the roof of the car, they also jumped on the roof of the car, also to do this to, to copy him to do the same thing that he did. So there uh, after a while there were a bunch of people standing on the car maybe four or five people standing on the roof of this car so what happened in the end what happened in the end was is that the roof of the car collapsed he was standing they were standing in the car and it collapsed it went straight into the cabin of the car and 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 ruined ruined the uh, ruined the roof because there was I guess there was a lot of weight on top on top of this car maybe it wasn't such a strong car I don't know so Ruvain. After the, after the funeral was over, Ruvain was, was, was nervous that uh, you know he was a conscientious person, a citizen of the world, a person who fears Hashem, a person who wants to do the right thing. Ruvain was worried that he is responsible for the car. So what he did was is he, he wrote down the, the license plate of the car and, and, and the number so that he can figure out who was the owner of this car. And after the funeral was over, he went to the rabbi and he asked him the following question. He said to him, number one is, am I obligated to pay for this car? We know we have a mesachta in Shas. We have a mesachta in the, uh, we have a, a tractate in the Talmud Babli that deals with damages and people's responsibilities for damages, uh, namely Babakama. And there we have such a concept is called a mazik, a person who does damage to other people's property. They're responsible to pay for it. Is he responsible to pay for the car? Or, or is he not responsible? Perhaps maybe it was what he did was, uh, was an onus. Perhaps maybe he had no choice. He was, he was in danger of being crushed by the, by, by the sea uh, of people. And in order to save himself, he climbed on top of the car. And, and it wasn't his fault, so to speak, that, that, that he did damage to his car. Is he obligated to pay for the roof of the car? That's, uh, that's question number one he asked. Question number two he asked is, how much does he have to pay? Because at the end of the day, he wasn't the only one who was on the, on, on the roof of the car, as we said. There were other people that climbed on top of the car. Five people. There were eight people on the car. So if there were eight people on top of the car, does he have to pay the eighth of the damage? Or does he have to pay the whole damage? How much does he have to pay? That was the question that he went... And ask the rabbi. The reason why we're talking about this question is because we're talking about a funeral, and like we began with our with our discussion, the the the, the parasha begins with the death of, uh, of 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 the two children of Aaron, right? So we're talking about the death of a tzaddik, just like the children of Aaron were 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 tzaddikim. They were righteous people, and 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 so this gives us a reason to uh, to digress into a halachic shaila into a. Uh, a Jewish law question. And the Jewish law question is that we're asking is what happens if a person participates in a funeral, like we said, and does damage in the process, is he responsible to pay for the damage that he has done? That's the question that, that, that was asked to the rabbi. So now that we asked the question, we're going to leave the question for, for the moment, and we're going to answer or discuss the first thing that we mentioned beforehand. And what did we say? We said that the death of the righteous is uh, achieves atonement for the Jewish people, the same way that Yom Kippur achieves atonement for the Jewish people, and we, we did not yet explain why that is exactly the case. It's upon us to explain why is it that the death of the righteous people achieves atonement for for the uh, achieves atonement for for uh, achieves atonement for the Jewish people. So I I think it perhaps maybe we could say the following. The, you know we've discussed this Mesilas Yesharim. We've discussed uh, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Letzato many, many times, and Rabbi Moshe Chaim Letzato in his book The Mesilas Yesharim, The Path of the Just, in chapter four, he asks a classical question that is a question in philosophy. He asks that how is it possible? He says that if a person does something wrong, they're not struck by lightning immediately. If a person uh, is, uh, is 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 it, 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 commit an avera; they commit an infraction against God, meaning they rebel against God, and that rebellion should be just like any other uh, rebellion against, uh, against the monarch, against the ruler, against the leader, and that, that, should, that, should give the, the, that should merit the death penalty right away, because one went against his will. How is it possible that there is such a concept as tshuva, there is such a concept as repentance? How is it, how is it possible that there is, that there is such a thing? Why, why does Hashem allow that? Isn't that not what the person deserves? A person deserves to be struck by lightning immediately as soon as they commit an infraction. What is this concept of tshuva? What is this concept of regret? For example, says the Messiah, if a person commits murder, how could they ever do tshuva for that? How could they ever fix that? How could they ever clarify that? That should be, uh, uh, that is a, uh, um, a capital offense which deserves uh, the immediate death penalty there should be no possibility for tshuva for such a thing so how does hashem allow the how has hashem allowed tshuva in the first place so here in chapter four of the path of the just he answers this question and he says he says that if when hashem gives a person opportunity to do tshuva what he does is like this is that what what hap, what is the process of tshuva the process of tshuva is repentance. He says, is a person recognizes the sin that they did, and they admit to the sin that they committed, the murder that they committed, the adultery that they committed, uh, if they stole from somebody, stealing from someone, and they have regret, and they have a complete regret that 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 they that they would they didn't want to do this in the first place. They would have never even done this, and they bring themselves to a, a state of mind psychologically. Where they believe that if they would have the opportunity to do this again, they would never do this again, and this causes a person tremendous tsar. Person is you know when we when we when we feel like we did something wrong, then then it causes us pain. Uh, it causes us pain that how could it be such a thing, and because of that we leave it. And this is what he says. I'm going to read some of the words at the at the, at the end of the statement. It says a person has pain in their heart when they do and they want and they desire that they should have never committed this infraction. They wanted that it should never have happened. That's what they want. And therefore they make a commitment that they're not going to do it in the future and they run away from it. Behold, this, uh, this type of removal of the matter from a person's will that's considered like he is removing the infraction and in this and these are the key words he gets atoned so what's atonement atonement means that a person has to go through a process that is tantamount to the punishment that they would otherwise suffer for the infraction that they committed In other words, says the Messias Yisharim that a person who commits an infraction, of course, there has to be a tit-for-tat, there has to be a consequence. But if they go through a process that's tantamount, that is equal to the consequence that they have to go through, then that's good enough. If the person feels pain and regret of what they did, and they actually go through the process of this pain, to the point where they, they truly don't want to be the person that they were at the time they committed the infraction, then that takes place of the retribution that should come from God. And when it takes place, that achieves atonement. So this is what atonement is according to the Messiah. The atonement is is that a person has to go through a process of tribulation and this will give them their atonement. Okay, this is what he says. So perhaps maybe we can say the following. What's our question that we're trying to answer? The question again that we are trying to answer is is that why is it that the death of the righteous achieves atonement for the Jewish people? We know that the righteous people they, they hold up the world. They are the, they are, they are the, the elite, the spiritual elite amongst us. They are the ones who are, who are pure, who, who hardly make mistakes. They're the ones who are connected to God. They're the ones who are studying. They're the ones who are studying the Torah. Truly, they have, they have all the attributes that we learn in the books and that we hear in the classes. And the, the, these people, because they exist, God, so to speak, allows the rest of the world to exist, right? Because it it God says to Himself, it is it's fitting, it's kedai that that the whole world should exist for these people. So what happens is is that on their on their on, on their merit is the is the is the existence. So what when they pass away, when they pass away, now we no longer have this benefit. Now we no longer have the benefit of the righteous to be amongst us. This should cause us pain. This should cause us travail. This should cause us to 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 have. To, to, to feel that, that, that we're lacking, that we're orphans, so to speak, that we don't have the spiritual giants, the spiritual leaders that, that, that have been lost. And if you take a look, if, you, uh, if, if we take a look and we examine what happened during this, this pandemic, which is still going on, there's a lot of righteous people in New York, That a lot of Torah scholars that have passed away, unfortunately. Rachman Litzlan. This in itself, it, this, this travail, this pain that the Jewish people suffer of losing their leaders, of losing their righteous, it in itself is an atonement because it takes, it, it, it sort of replaces the retribution that should be taking place as a result of their infractions. So this is, this is the reason why the righteous have a power, the, the death of the righteous has the power to atone for the Jewish people the same way that Yom Kippur does. And Yom Kippur, like we explained, Yom Kippur has the power of atonement because you go through the process of tshuva, you go through the process of repentance, that, that also person goes through the same travail. So therefore, these two things are the same thing. Okay, so now that we answer this question, we're back to our, we're back to our halachi question about the people that were standing in the car and they did damage to the car. What is the, the halacha regarding the damage to the car? Is the person responsible to pay or not? So the Va'Erav says that this question was asked to Rabbi Yehuda Aryadinner Slita. Shlita. Of uh, Rabbi Yehuda Aryeh Dinner um, was asked this question, and he said the following. He said that this it, actually this is a Gemara in Tractate Baba I'm going to open it up in Tractate Baba on page 60b. The in Tractate Baba Kama says that David HaMelech, the King David, asked his Sanhedrin, he asked his rabbinical court the following question. He asked them whether or not a person is allowed to save themselves with other people's money. So, we're not going to get into it now. I think we've talked about this in the past. You know, can a, can a person use somebody else's car to escape some, to escape a dangerous situation can a person take another person's kidney in order to save somebody else's life can a person take somebody's liver after they posthumously after or a kidney posthumously after after the uh, in order to save somebody else's life is a person allowed to do that so this is the question that he, that, that that he asked and according to Tosus's interpretation is it also says that, that it's not exact, he didn't ask the question exactly this way because, of course, a person is allowed to take other people's stuff in order to save themselves. Because, as we say in the Gemara and Yuma, on um, um, uh, uh, Tractate Yuma, on page 85b, that that it says in Parsha's Achran, you should live by the mitzvahs, and not die by the mitzvahs. That a person is not, Hashem does not expect us to die in, 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 in fulfilling the mitzvahs. Therefore, we're allowed to do anything in order to save our lives, including taking somebody else's money, uh, taking somebody else's money or somebody else's possessions, some, you know, maybe stealing somebody else's helicopter to go pick them up from a mountain where a person is, is stuck, where they're going to die. Things, questions like this. We're allowed to use somebody else's in order to save a life. A person is allowed to transgress the Torah, stealing in order to save a life. So that's not the question that King David asked. The question that King David asked was, is the person have to pay for it afterwards? If let's say I take your car in order to save somebody else, I steal a car to save somebody else or to save myself, and then I total the car. Do I have to pay for the car afterwards? That's the question that was asked. And the answer, according to Tosus and the Gemara was, is of course a person is allowed to save themselves, but they do have to pay them back they do have to pay them back the money that they that they have squandered in the process of saving themselves so in our case in our case says Rabbi, and this is let's just before we uh, before we 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 say we go back to our case this is recorded in the code of law in the shulchan aruch in siman shnuntes code number code number 358 it is recorded in code number 358 number 4 and the, the code says like this, Even if a person is in danger of dying, and they have to steal from from their friend in order to save themselves, You're not allowed to take it unless you have in mind and intention to pay it back. That's what the... That's the code of law. So a person is allowed to steal in order to save themselves, but they're not allowed to steal if they're not planning to pay it back. So that's the code of law. So back to our case, what is our case? Our case is, is that this fellow he was in danger. Maybe you get trampled. People get trampled sometimes when there are huge crowds and things happen like in concerts, at, uh, at sporting events. People get trampled. He was in danger this, of this funeral. There were thousands of people there. And he, was, he felt like he was in danger. Maybe he would get trampled. So he climbed on the roof of the car. Good. So he used somebody else's car in order to save himself. Fine. But then afterwards, he caused the damage to the car. He caused the damage to the car. And now, and 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 now, he wants to know whether he has to pay for that damage. And the answer is, according to what we said, you're allowed to climb on top of the car. You're even allowed to damage the car. But in order, but you have to pay for the damage that you caused to the car in the process of saving yourself. The fact that you saved yourself is not enough of a reason. To to absolve you from the payment. So the answer to the first part of the question: Is, is a person obligated to pay? To is a person considered to be a, a damager when he damages somebody else's property in the process of saving themselves? Such as in our case, where he climbed on top of the roof of the car and, the, and, the, and and the roof collapsed. And the answer is yes, they are considered like they are doing damage. And because they're considered like they are doing damage, therefore they have to pay. Now the second part of the question was: Is how much do they have to pay? Do they have to pay the entire amount? Do they have to pay the entire amount? Or do they pay an eighth of amount? Because remember, in our case, these people who climbed on top of the roof of the car, there were eight people on top of the car. And the roof only collapsed after the eight people. So does this person have to pay the whole thing? Or does he have to pay... Or does he have to pay... Or does he have to pay um, an eighth of the damage? So on this, Rabbi Dinner said that this is also a gemara in tractate babakama. The Gemara in tractate Babakama talks about a case where five people. This is in on on page, uh, on page 10b. The Gemara talks about a case where five people sat on a bench. Five people sat on a bench, and the bench and the bench collapsed. And it's it's actually a little bit an involved. Uh, it, it's a little bit of an involved Gemara. But uh, in in the discussion of the Gemara, the Gemara points out. That if they if they all respond, if they all are the if the bench would not have collapsed without all of them, in other words, in the within the discussion of the gemara, it's obvious that if the bench would not have collapsed without all of them, then all of them are responsible to pay, even if the first one sat down and even if the bench was going to break later or whatever whatever the situation is, if they are all responsible for the bench breaking, meaning that each of their weights contributed for the bench to break, then they all have to pay. So if they all have to pay, then they have to share the damage of what they have to pay for. They all have to share. Uh, they all have to share the uh, the the amount they pay. So let's say it was uh, it was eighty dollars, and they and, and there was eight of them. So then they have to pay ten dollars each. Each one has to pay a tenth of the amount. That's according to according to what what, what what the Gemara says. That's how he 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 answered his question, and therefore he said to him, "Yes, you do have to pay for the roof of the car." Because you stood on the roof of the car but you uh you stood on the roof of the car but you you don't you, you don't have to pay the entire amount even though you were the first one on and we, we don't know whether the roof of the car would have collapsed uh just because of you we don't we really don't know it's only after all the other people got on the top of the roof of the car then the, then it collapsed so therefore we'll assume we're going to assume that all of you caused the damage. And since all of you caused the damage, therefore each one has to pay his part for for the car. That's that's how we answered this halakha question. And now that we're finished with the point that we wanted to make, we're just going to give a little bit of a deeper explanation as to why does a person have to pay for, for damages that they cause, that they are responsible for. So here we have in the discussion in this book called the Mishmeras Chaim. It's a very involved discussion. Maybe we'll, we'll see how much of it we will mention, but here in volume two, in section called Neziken, which is damages number seven, he gives the following uh, He gives the following explanation. He says, I'm gonna read a little bit so that I have clarity of what it is exactly that that, that he says. He says that Gabi Neziken by damages, by damages, The obligation of the Torah that the Torah obligates a person who does damage is what is to pay to their friend. Now the obligation. What is the obligation? You know we have the we have mitzvahs. We have six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs. Each one of the six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs has their unique has their unique obligation. What's the obligation in damages? The obligation is to pay to the friend the damage that they caused. He says. and what is the mechanically, what is the catalyst? What is the catalyst that is that, that for for the payment? In other words, what is the first cause that for the payment? The actual damage. The, once the damage occurs, the damage becomes the catalyst for the obligation to pay. The Zeh, he says, that's what obligates the payment to the friend. He says that the action of the damage itself. Meaning that the action of doing the damage itself is not what makes a person obligated to pay. But rather, rather, it is the it is the damage that is caused by the action that obligates to pay. In other words, I could take I could step on top of the car, that's the action. I could step on top of the car, that's the action that I'm that I am that, 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 that I'm performing. But once the but that action itself does not cause the, the obligation to pay. It's as a result of the action that I did, now there's a damage, once the damage exists in the world, now that damage itself is the catalyst for my payment. So therefore, if you are standing on top of the roof of the car, according to this explanation, that's okay. You, 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 you did an action of damage, but it didn't cause any damage. So therefore you're not obligated to pay, but once the roof of the car collapsed, now there's damage as a result of your action. That damage is the catalyst that the Torah says. The damage happened as a result of your actions. Now you have to pay. And since all eight people stood on top of the car, right, and all eight people caused the damage, now there's damage as a result of their actions. Therefore, that damage is what obligates them to pay. And therefore, each one has to pay uh, an eighth of the damage. Okay, so that's, that's the, 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 you know, dabble a little bit into the uh, Talmudic's, Talmudic process of analysis regarding this issue. So, just to summarize all the things that we said, we said that the that the the the, that the righteous people are the 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 righteous people are the the righteous people are the uh, the 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 lead the spiritual elite amongst us, and the and 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 the reason why we have favor with God is because of them, and the and the and the world exists is because of them, and so. The, the, in this week's Parsha, the Torah tells us that the two sons of Aaron who were righteous passed away in order to give us a message that when the righteous pass away then that causes atonement for us, for all the Jewish people, the same as Yom Kippur. And we explained that's because it is like the righteous passing away is a little bit like tshuva. The same way that by tshuva we have travail, the same way that by tshuva we have pain of regret, so too by the righteous we have pain of missing our our, our our leaders, are uh, the, uh, the eyes of the nation, ones that lead us and inspire us to become better people, and so therefore we have atonement for that also. That's what, that we said, and then we so we asked the halachi question. We said that if a person, uh, if a person is in danger of their life, and they use somebody else's property in order to save themselves, then in, in the process they damage the property, do they have to pay? And the answer is yes, they do have to pay. Of course, the person is allowed to save themselves because the person doesn't have to keep the Torah if their life is in danger, but, 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 but after the danger goes away, and now they save themselves, now there's damage that they caused. So that that does not absolve them from doing the da- from 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 uh, from payment because at the end of the day it's their actions that cause the damage as we explained in depth, right? And however we said that a person only has to pay for the amount of the damage that they caused. So as a, 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 so if 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 a group of people together did the damage and each one of them contributed to this damage together, then each one pays their share. Each one has to pay their share, and and, and that's how much they have to pay, and that's it. So this is what um, this is the message that I wanted to share with everybody this evening. We should uh, we should merit to have a lot of righteous people amongst us. We should merit to have uh, tzedikim and and tamir chachamim and we, uh, righteous people and Torah scholars that we learn from, and they should inspire us to be better. They should inspire us to grow. And and for and, Fasholam, and, and we should not have the the, the, the pain of, of having something like that and then losing it. We should have it forever and always that be until until Mashiach comes. Thank you very uh, much everybody for participating and a good job. Yes, ah, uh, thank you. Can I ask you a question? Do you prefer that I'll call you not through Zoom time because it's kind of uh, Yeah, maybe maybe you send me a text because we're we're we are we we do not yeah. we're we're on the time limit, so it'd be better if we could. I will. Okay. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.